da 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 Joe Picks an NFL team. Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. In the second half of our doubleheader, we will cover the team that I unfortunately root for, who has a name I won't even say, the Washington Football Club. For any first-time listeners out there, we're going to break down the Washington Football Club in 12 separate categories, and by the end of this episode, that will either move on to the Sweet 16 or in completely unsurprising fashion for any DC team, they will lose. So Joe, how are you feeling? Dan, this is a big episode. This is this is your team. Yeah. This is the team that you bleed red, maybe, shall we say, for. Burgundy and gold. <laughs> and I feel like you seem almost already resigned to me not moving this team onto the Sweet 16. Dan, I guess the more important question is how do you feel? I wish I didn't root for this team. <laughs> this is like, I mean, if tomorrow Dan Snyder decided to move the team, I would be like, do it, get it out of here and let's get a new, I want like a Houston situation where we sort of start over again from scratch, new name, new owner. And let's just, I don't care. Throw out the history. It's irrelevant. But wouldn't it be great if we rooted for the same team? We could, you know, watch games together. We could talk about the draft we could we we could i mean we could turn this podcast into a washington football club podcast the reason there isn't any like popular washington podcast what would we talk about oh we blew it again oh our our gm was fired two weeks before the nfl draft because our owner doesn't want him and this guy had a great draft last year and is known as like a draft guru yeah whatever fire him owner doesn't like him great Oh, we lost. A, we had to win a game to get into the playoffs against a team who had nothing to play for, and we lost. Oh, yep. <laughs> you don't want to be any part of this team. Just keep. That's it. The podcast should be over right now. This All right, is, let's it end it right be, now. Just be Great five episode. Minutes. Great episode. Let's at least get to the drink <laughs> section. But there's there's nothing to talk about here. So Dan, the DC metro area is your is your hometown. You pick the drink this time. What are we drinking? Yes, I was born in DC. Let the record state. I am a true DC native. When I put on my census and it says city, I say Washington. And when it says state, I say DC. But anyways, we're drinking a Gin Ricky, which is a variant of a Joe Ricky named after, you guessed it, Joe Ricky. The Gin Ricky is a shot of gin, juice from a lime, and then you fill it up with sparkling water over ice. So how did Joe Ricky invent such a drink? Well, Joe Rickey was a Confederate colonel who moved to Washington, D.C. and was a lobbyist and otherwise schmoozer in the uh, political wheelings and dealings of the time. He needed a good drink to start his day. Now, he actually didn't drink gin. He drank bourbon. And he wanted it over ice because in the sweltering summers of Washington, D.C., of which I'm all too familiar, you want your drink to be cold. But while we're at it, why not put a little sparkling water in there to make the drink a little more palatable? And while you're at it, put in some lemon juice, because according to him, that would add a lot of health benefits to the drink, and it's very good for the stomach. I mean, it's a fruit. So the drink he drank was bourbon with sparkling water 
and lemon over ice. But the drink that became popular and maintained the name, the bourbon became gin, the lemon became a lime, but the name remained. So, Dan, are you drinking a gin ricky or a Joe ricky? I am drinking a gin ricky. Me too. Now, I had mentioned before on the Long Island Ice Long Island Iced Tea, we had the first-hand account of the drink's invention. And for this drink, we also have the first-hand account of the drink's invention. Though, I've already basically explained that. But I think what more interestingly, we have a first-hand account of what this gentleman, Joe Ricky, thought of the drink being named after him. So, here we go. And um, don't mind my Confederate accent here, but I'm going for it doing it <laughs> fully support it i was colonel ricky of missouri the friend of senators judges and statesmen, and something of an authority on political matters and political movements as time has dealt lightly with me i had no right to quarrel with the world i am still the friend of statesmen and politicians and i think i keep fairly well in touch with the world but am i ever spoken of for those reasons i fear not no I am known to fame as the author of the Ricky, and I have to be satisfied with that. There is one consolation in the fact that there are fashion in drinks. The present popularity of the Scotch highball may possibly lose me my reputation and restore me my former fame. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished for. Dan, well done. Thank you. Well performed. Now, I performed that earlier in practice to... My lovely girlfriend, and she had no idea what the actual point of that statement was. So, I did you did you catch what he's saying there? So, I think he's saying he doesn't love being named after a drink, but it's sort of the reality. And hopefully, as as the Scotch highball becomes more popular, people won't remember him for the drink anymore, and 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 will remember him for being a Confederate soldier, which is also not great. No, no, so, no, no. I mean, he's not, he's over the Confederate part. He's just, he's like, um, he's a wheeler and dealer in DC and that's what he wants to be known for. There you go. Look at that. Well, good, we're still talking about him. So, you that's know, good listening. Bravo, you. Joe Ricky. Yeah. That's a, that's the thing. If it weren't for the drink being named after him, I would never have read that passage and his <laughs> words would never have become alive. Now he is actually from St. Louis. You really channeled him, though. I mean, it was well. I think uncanny, actually probably. the accent. I was like studying the St. Louis accent, and it actually wow. doesn't sound anything like that. I don't know. Whatever. You do so much more work for this podcast than I do. I want to really bring out the history, bring the history alive. <laughs> All right, so that's that. Into the fan mail. As I said in the the first half, we've split the the emails uh, between this one and that one. If you want to send in feedback about this episode, about the Patriots episode, about whatever future teams we're going to pick at the end of this one, ooh, that's going to be exciting. Send in your emails to nfl at joepickspod.com. We love your feedback. It's amazing. Please keep it coming. Don't leave a rating. Send an email. Well, actually, I think we should get people to start leaving ratings, shouldn't we? Nah, just send an email. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't leave a rating. Okay. So first email. He says, my name is Yannick, but he said, don't even try to pronounce it. Call me Jay, but I think I pronounced it properly. I'm a 20-year-old, and I'm from Leipzig, Germany. I discovered your podcast in the Falcons subreddit. As you might have guessed, I'm a Falcons fan. And also, it's very funny in this email, when he says Falcons fan, he puts like Falcons dash fan, because you know how like in German, they like concatenate words together. So he's not a Falcons fan. He's a Falcons fan. Right. 
Right, and there is probably one German word for Falcons fan. But he does it like 10 times in the email, but it's it's Falcons fan. I really enjoyed the Atlanta episode of your podcast so much I had to catch up on all the other parts. I guess in Germany, a podcast is, doesn't have episodes, it has parts. I liked every episode. Oh, I guess he knows that word. Okay. I liked every episode and learned a lot about the fan culture. By the way, fan culture smushed. The fan culture of the NFL franchises and especially about the cities they're located in. Keep up the good work. I love it. The Falcons episode wasn't just reliving the Super Bowl crash all over again as you feared. It was good to hear the people discuss it without being condescending. It really helped healing the wounds this disaster left on my soul. A big wow. thank you for that. Wow, Dan. Oh my goodness. We're helping people heal. I really hope Joe will find a team that fits perfectly. I was in a similar situation a few years ago when I started to watch football. There was pretty much zero media coverage of the NFL in Germany at the time. Only the Super Bowl was televised. And so I looked at all the teams to decide which I will root for. Funny enough, I had similar standards of what my team should look like. Not too good, not too bad, nice city I might want to visit today, and a cool logo and colors. The Falcons had it all. I mean, look at this badass red and black aggro bird. That's just majestic. You can't beat the bird. So I hope you will join us, Falcons fans, in the future. We will welcome you in our nest for sure, as long as you aren't an eagle. But if, if so... We will fuck you up in a fight anyways. <laughs> Last thing, I really like that Dan calls his favorite club Washington Football Club. That's a really good way to handle the name issue. Thank you for your good work. Goodbye and Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Oh, wow. Your, your, your German is not as good as your uh, Missourian. It's a shame that Tony wasn't here because Tony actually speaks a little German. He would be nailing this stuff. Yannick, thank you for the email. First of all, Dan, how happy are you that we're helping people heal their Super Bowl wounds? That's I'm, like we're a public service. I'm very happy because Washington fans are exactly, frankly, very similar to Atlanta fans. Is that like we have good teams, but they always choke. And what Atlanta, I mean, similar to Chargers, what Atlanta did, as you said, was like, it's the most Chargery Charger thing of all time, but it's the most Washington-y Washington thing of all time. <laughs> it's just like... I'm happy that it wasn't my team, but I like know what it feels like. We feel the pain of Atlanta fans and the fact that even for just even if it's just one Atlanta fan, if us talking about it helped close that wound a little bit, that's a great feeling. Secondly, I appreciate Yannick's desire for me to find a team that's a perfect fit. And I would just say Yannick is helping me in that process by writing in, by listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah, we love it. Great email. All the way from Leipzig, Germany. And if I mispronounce all those words, please let me know. I really want to work on it. I want to get all my accents ready by the end of this pot. By the by, the last third of the teams, I want to be getting every accent for every part of the world perfect. Well, well, Dan, we can. I, I think we can just go ahead and announce now that season two is going to be Dan picks a new accents. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. We've had a good run with this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. Okay, next email from Jeff, who I waited in line with at the NFL draft for many, many hours. Good guy. I just wanted to point out that a stranger, he's not really a stranger, but offered Cowboys tickets to Joe, but Superfan Tony had season tickets to the Bengals and didn't so much at hint at matching the offer. This lack wow. of interest in courting you makes me wonder how he landed Pam, which is Tony's fiance, in the first place. Baloney. Yeah. WTF, Tony. 
What you, <laughs> not even like the cursory, like, you know, if you come out to Cincinnati and there happens to be a game that weekend, of course I would do. like, it, it could be a pretty hollow offer. If memory um, serves me correctly, you said you're visiting Cincinnati, and Tony was like, oh, great. Oh, cool, cool. If, if you're here on a weekend, you can go watch the game at a bar. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be busy, but you should do it. <laughs> I'll be, see if you can see me on the 40-yard line. Tony didn't mention the chili place. He, does Tony not want me to be a Bengals fan? Does he like want to <laughs> hoard the Bengals fandom to himself? He might. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's got his things. He he like wants to like pretend to bring you in on it, but then yeah, he's like, oh, you you don't really want to root for the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. And the second part of the email. Now this is interesting. We're getting into uncharted territory here. Okay. We're getting to the middle third of the podcast, so maybe everything's negotiable. Also, would you consider changing the music from that awful stock garbage? I will write you a terrible yet personalized jingle if you're interested. Absolutely. Wow. Wait, wait. You know Jeff? Yeah, yeah. I waited a while with him for three hours at the NFL draft. He was in. He was in Philadelphia. Good guy. Does Does Jeff have musical talent? Well, he did not bring an instrument with him in the line, so I don't know. I have not heard him play any type of instrument. I mean, maybe he's like a, a mixologist or something on the computer. Well, I was going to say if if his musical talent is dubious, that fits perfectly with our podcast. So I would say absolutely yes. But what if he makes something that's like really terrible and we don't want to use it? Well, I mean, then we'll just say, oh, the file didn't work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> keep, keep sending it. Well, what, keep, yeah. Try again. It didn't, didn't upload. Okay. Yeah. Jeff or anybody listening, if you make us a jingle and we like it, we will use it. So do it. Yeah. And, and, and whoever makes the jingle that we end up using, Dan will personally record your outgoing voicemail in his Confederate accent. <laughs> it's a little prize for the yeah, listeners. If you want it, if you want it. That's a, that's like the Patreon like lowest uh, <laughs> level. Okay, now now think about this. Think about this. I'm going to do da 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 Okay, so now that is like the NFL sound that it makes. Now, we can't mm-hmm. use that sound. I wanted to use that, but, you know, that's obviously copyright the NFL. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I feel like some sort of riff on that could be some sort of fair use. So I feel like if you're out there and you're making a jingle, that's a good place to get started, just to get in the, like, mindset. Oh, see, I was thinking more of, like, a 90s sitcom vibe. Hum something. Like a da-da-da-da-da-da, Joe picks an NFL team, Oh, so you want some vocals in there, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, at the end of the way, uh, how about if multiple people send them in, or Jeff, if you send in multiple ones, I'll play them live for Joe on the podcast, the next one. <laughs> Perfect. And he'll see. Perfect. He'll, he'll judge them in real time. I can't wait. Oh, man. Okay. So now we're into Washington-related emails from Karsten. Washington football team's uniform look like ketchup and mustard. I mean, okay. I guess it's burgundy and gold, you know, it's pretty similar. Dan, have you ever dressed up like a hoggette? Mm. I have not. Okay. But, but I do love the, uh, I love that our, our little fan culture has like a weird thing with that. And I think I like the hogs. You know, the hogs are good. That was the glory days of the Washington football club when it didn't descend into the terribleness that we will get into later. And he says, Kirk Cousins is fun to watch, though. I'll give you that. Yes. 
it is great that the quarterback who's sort of good doesn't want to play for our team and we're franchising him for the second straight year, which is insane. And we won't sign him to a long-term deal, which I don't think we should do anyways. All right. Our team's a disaster. (laughs) Moving on to Mike, who I saw at the wedding I was at in San Diego. Good guy. Also Washington fan. Dan, I'm enjoying the podcast. I just wanted to say that I hope you roast the hell out of Dan Snyder when you get around to them on the DC podcast. I just listened to the Seahawks podcast. And after you finished gushing about Paul Allen, all I could think was my team's owner sued season ticket holders in the middle of the recession, which we'll get to. Oh, man. Also worth mentioning what a pain in the ass it is to get to the stadium compared to the other DC sports options that are actually in the city. I've actually never been to, I've been to RFK. I've never been to the new FedEx field. I know it's a bit, it's in Landover, Maryland. It's about 10 miles east of DC. I've been to the former MCI center, currently Verizon center many times, which is just easily, you can get there on the Metro right on the red line. Great. Very easy to get to right in the middle of DC. So you know, from a, I mean, we'll get to that a little bit later, but like from a convenience perspective, though they are called the Washington Football Club, they are 10 miles east of Washington. And without traffic, I looked at it getting from downtown to DC to the stadium 30 minutes. And yeah, I'm sure with, you know, game day traffic, it probably takes an hour hours. or something. Yeah. And finishing off, Super Fan Tony doing the draft analysis of the Washington Football Club. The Washington Football Club went heavily defensive on all three picks, which is good because our defense was very, very bad last year. So probably not a lot of effect on fantasy, but our first round pick, Allen, was a great pick. He had been put in the top 10 for a lot of mock drafts, but we actually nabbed him at 17 Mm. because there had been some concerns about his uh, like shoulder and whether he was injured or not, but whether it's injured, whether it's not, the fact that we're getting, like, this guy won the, like, award last year for best defensive player in college football, and we got him at 17. So our defense was terrible. We stocked up on defense. Our second-round pick, I think, was a a linebacker. So we're going to have a lot of hopefully good young talent on the defensive side. Field reporter Tony, always appreciate the work. All right. Let's just get right into this. Get it out of the way. Number one, you don't want a team that is too good or too bad. So, the Super Bowl odds for the Washington Football Club are 40 to 1, just a scant 10 times worse than the team we did in the first half of the doubleheader. They've won three Super Bowls in the past, 1982, 1987, 1991. The Vegas odds for over-under puts them at 7.5. So, you know, 8 and 8, 9 and 7. I mean, the NFC East is always really up in the air, and... um when we get to the odds in the division, you'll see that. But seven and a half is a pretty interesting over under because I think the team could easily go five and 11. I think they could easily go 10 and six. I don't think they could really go 11 and five, but like everything's everything's certainly possible for the team. So top third, middle third, bottom third, Joe win percentage past 10 years, bottom third playoff wins, bottom third made the playoffs, middle third. Joe, you nailed it. 100%. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Look at you. Win percentage, 41.6%, which puts them at 25th. Although, in if you look at the last five years, they've been much better. They've won the... They hadn't previously won the NFC East since 1999, but in the past five years, they've won it in 2012 and 2015. I mean, they haven't been particularly great, 
10 and 6 and 9 and 7, but, you know, winning the divisions, winning the division, um, you know, they were much worse before that. Playoff wins, zip, zero. They have not won a playoff game since 2005. So in the last 10 years, they've got none, which of course ties for, you know, last, bottom third. And they've made the playoffs three times. So that puts them at the bottom end of the middle of the pack. So, you know, it's a team that's made the playoffs three times. They don't win in the playoffs. They've frankly never been that close to winning. I think we can dispatch with the, are they too good? They're certainly, you know, the, are they too good? I mean, basically it's a proxy for the question of like, would it feel incredible if they won a Super Bowl? And I think any team that has a 12 year playoff win drought, if they were to make a Super Bowl run would be pretty freaking exciting. Not to mention the fact that it's been a long suffering team. It's been a tough road since Some that last DC Super Bowl team has, so the, the concept of them even winning a playoff game is unimaginable. The concept of them winning two is unimaginable. The concept is like, beyond comprehension oh, to imagine them winning suit but one dc team in my lifetime a dc team is going to win something i don't think the washington football club is like the favorite to do it but i'll say you know when you when you're a fan of a team you sort of get these mythologies about it and i feel like the capitals and the nationals have both proven over and over again that being the best team in the regular season doesn't mean squat in the playoffs when they both lose miserably, as the Capitals did last night again. So I'm like secretly thinking maybe a nine and seven Washington football club team that just has like no buzz, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just going to like go mm-hmm. in the playoffs and just like walk mm-hmm. box three wins yep. and win the Super Bowl. And like that's going to break the curse. It just would be such an incredible and exciting thing. I mean, you think about they would have to get into the playoffs, which is possible, especially... Very doable. We talked about that division kind of trades off division winners you know, every year. They'd have to get past the Cowboys. They'd have to get past the Seahawks. They'd have to get past the Packers. I mean, it's... The NFC is chock full of, te- of teams that are all much better <laughs> than the Redskins. Absolutely. But I think that's the point. The DC teams, when they're better than the other teams, they lose anyway. So maybe if they're worse yeah, than the other teams. Rather than be a little bit worse. Yeah. yeah. So so look, so we can dispatch with the notion that the Washington Football Club is too good. They're not. They're not too good. The question is, are they too bad? And, you know, I think recent history, it's sort of an exciting team with a young quarterback. And yeah, they like figure out ways to mess things up. But I kind of like your theory of them slipping into the playoffs and then making a run. I don't think that they're that bad. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Obviously. Obviously. Look, the question of too bad is like, am I signing up for just a terrible year of football if I pick them as a team? And I don't think that, I don't think it's that bad either. But so they're kind of right in the, in the middle of the road. They're definitely not too good. They might be a little too bad. Seven and a half out of 10. All right. Seven and a half out of 10. I think it's a little generous, Joe. But that's okay. You're just going to find everything in your power to somehow like this team. You so much you want to have a me as your friend during the NFL season. No, I think they're kind of in a sweet spot of not too good, not too bad, but just a little too bad. All right. What do you think about the division? So we've covered this division now three times before, so I'm not even going to talk about anything about it other than to say that the over-unders for the division are Dallas nine and a half wins, 
the Giants nine wins, Philly eight wins, and the Washington Football Club seven and a half wins. So that's how you can see like how tight it is that the division we just covered before, the top team was over under 12 and a half, and the bottom team was five, which was a difference of seven and a half wins. And in this division, the top team, Dallas, and the bottom team, Washington, is two wins different. So, you know, you're getting a competitive division, not just as we've seen in the past, but Vegas is expecting it in the future. So when you did it for the Cowboys, you gave it a 10. When you did it for the Eagles, you gave it eight and a half. When you did it for the Giants, you gave it a 10. Washington has very, very clear rivalries with the Cowboys, very historic rivalry, especially in the 90s and the late 80s when both teams are great. Got a rivalry with the Giants who knocked us out of the playoffs, even though they had nothing to play for. And, you know, I would say the Eagles fans are actually pretty nice. So I don't know how big our rivalry with the Eagles, but, you know, fuck the Eagles anyways. They weren't nice to me on Reddit. Uh, look, um, <laughs> since this is our last time on the podcast discussing this division, this is the first division that we're completely completed. Yep. I just want to say one of the fun things about this podcast is the things that I'm learning about the NFL. Um, with my Charger fandom, I always had this resentment of the NFC East. Like, why do they get so much media coverage, so many primetime games? Anytime you turn on ESPN, they're talking about something going on in the NFC East. But now doing this podcast and having like a more objective view of it, I, I get it. I get it. It's a super competitive division with a bunch of good teams with good rivalries. And it's actually, there's like a decent amount of parody. It's totally justified. So I think it's a great division. I've enjoyed talking about it. I think 10 out of 10 is a strong way to go out on it. The one thing I'll say is that for the Washington football club, they are on the bottom looking up a little bit right now. So I'm going to say 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Although one thing I'll say is the Cowboys are favorites, but they're slight favorites, even how good they were last year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it would be a, a huge upset, I would say, if the Washington football club won, but it, it would not be a massive upset. But at least, I mean, it, it is a division that it, it seems like it's like the latest in the season that you know who's going to win that division. It's a fascinating division. Yeah. I'm glad we've gotten a chance to talk so much about it. And we put it to bed. God, it's like uh, the Hunger Games. Just put it up on the big screen. Fire off the cannon blast. <laughs> Number three, does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? So the head coach of the Washington Football Club is Jay Gruden, the younger brother of John Gruden. Roto World puts him at number 16, exactly midway through the rankings, they say. Jay Gruden is the Washington Football Club's best head coach since Joe Gibbs' first go-around. That may seem like damning with faint praise, but even faint praise has been hard to come by during the Daniel Snyder era. (laughs) It's very true. Gruden has installed a system offense that's amongst the league's most prolific, resulting in a 17-14-1 record since RG3 was cast aside in 2015. Which, by the way, when Jay Gruden did it, it was that was sort of like a bold move to do, to cast aside this guy who was like the savior of the franchise, but was like obviously wasn't going to work long term and he just owned it he just said kirk cousins is a guy that's Mm -hmm. it that's how it's Mm going to be rg3 is just going to sit on the bench which he did for an entire season without playing and that was that but it was the right move for the franchise and uh you know jay gruden should get a lot of credit for that so jay gruden will really be put to the test in 2017 
His top lieutenant, offensive quarter Sean McVay, is gone, hired as the head coach of a team we haven't covered yet, the Los Angeles Rams. Free agents Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon are gone. The run game, which last year was bad, still remains rudderless. Most worrying of all, Kirk Cousins is disillusioned after two years of contract disrespect. It's not unusual for a Washington football club head coach to find himself at the center of this sort of hurricane. What would be unusual is if Gruden can weather it. So Dan, Dan, all that negative stuff is making me rethink my previous score. Maybe they are too bad. That but was, I'm, it's that was like, a pretty brutal description. I'm, I'm just reading that from Rotor. But the funny thing about it is it's just like Jay Gruden is really not the cause of any of this stuff. He's not the one who gives out the contracts. No, but he's the one that has to deal with all that he's shit. He's the one that has – it's like ugh, it's crazy. He has – and, and the, there's no GM. The Washington Football Club does not have a GM right now. It, it, it's insane. <laughs> You know, the Chargers have a history of signing old Washington football club coaches. So we ended up with Schottenheimer right after you guys had Schottenheimer. We ended up with Norv Turner right after you guys had Norv Turner. So we have these like, I mean, Schottenheimer wasn't an unsuccessful Charger coach. He had some good years with us. Norv Turner certainly was awful. I can't believe they hired Norv Turner and just kept him for so, that was so stupid. You just threw away the glory years of that team. Oh, my God. It's I still have PTSD from it. Uh, I think Jay Gruden's fine. I think he's about as middle of the road as you can get. I think he's he's actually... I mean, he's exactly middle of the road per Roto world. But I didn't... I, I just want to say, too, Jay Gruden came from the Cincinnati Bengals, another disciple of the great Marvin Lewis, and he really did come and install this offense that has been really, really good and really dynamic. And in an earlier podcast, you had talked about you hate the coaches who came and say they're a specialist in this thing or that I thing, do. and then they it's suck my at biggest it. pet peeve. And Jay Gruden came and took an offense and said, give me Kirk, you know, RG3 is done. Give me Kirk Cousins. Give me this random fourth round pick we got that everybody complains about. I'm going to put in my system. We're going to do it. And the Washington Football Club offense has been top five in both years that he's been there. You know, you know, Jay Gruden strikes me as a type of guy that will inevitably get fired in Washington, go somewhere else and be really, really good. I think he will get fired eventually, even though he doesn't deserve it. But yeah. And then he's going to take like the Buccaneers to like five straight championships. Like, the, the point is, if I were like replacing right now as a fan, there are probably, I don't know, I, I'm sure I could think of five coaches I would rather have than him, but it's not like 20 coaches I would rather have than him. Okay. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So there's a lottery, just like the NBA draft lottery, right? Where there's like balls floating around. Okay. Yeah. You can give up Jay Gruden. You can reach your hand in and pick it and it'll be all 31 other coaches. You could get Bill Belichick, but you could get someone much shittier. Would you make the trade? Would you do it? Well, I mean, it's a complicated question because given that I could possibly get Bill Belichick, it's worth the risk almost for that alone, that there's like a chance I could get Bill Belichick or like Pete Carroll or something. But realistically speaking, I would want to wait two more years before giving up because I honestly think given the like turmoil and the personnel he inherited, he has, I just can't imagine how he could have done any better than he's done. Yeah. So I think it's a very good point. It's possible that in the next year or two, he'll like prove that wrong. But it's like the fact that he's taken what he what he got and and churned out even 500 and and have this good offense i i want to see him for 
two more years, and then I'll make a judge. Like, it's not like Norv Turner. Like, nobody knows what they've got with Jay Gruden. This is his first time being a head coach. So, right. you, you you know, you can imagine, theoretically, the more you do it, the better you should get at it. And, you know, when it, when you're getting Marty or Norv at the end of their careers, obviously, that's not true. But this is a guy that's just been a coach for two years. So... Right, we don't really know where the ceiling is on Jay Gruden. We exactly. kind of have a sense now for where the floor is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is pretty good. I think, yeah, no, I think this is a 7 out of 10, Dan. This is, it feels wow. like a 7 out of 10. No, that's too high, but okay, I'll take it. It's way too high. It shouldn't be more than a 6 out of 10. But I like it. You like the up-and-comer. You like the Gruden name. Number four, do the players get in trouble with the law? Last five years, low, middle, high. Middle third. Only they're the, they're the bottom third. They've only had three incidents in the past five years, which is tied for fourth in the wow. league, which is really shocking. Wow. Not and, as good as the Chargers, but, you know. Yeah, no Chargers, but, uh, well, not as good as the San Diego Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers are already getting into trouble. <laughs> getting into all sorts of trouble. So I'm going to have two player highlights. Frankly, I've gone through the entire blotter, and there's not, not that much to pick from because they've, frankly, generally not gotten into horrible trouble. But the first highlight is Fred Davis. And I'm highlighting him for two reasons. Number one, he went to USC. Number two, I've met him multiple times. Number three, he used to have a bit of a relationship with a close friend of Superfan Tony and mine. And when she broke up with him, Fred Davis, as a 20 or as an 18 year old, I guess, we were all freshmen in college at the same time. He was like heartbroken. He would like come over and start <laughs> crying and was like begging for her to take him back, which is just very funny that he eventually became a very good football player for USC and then eventually played in the NFL for like six or seven years. But Fred Davis accounts for four things on the crime blotter. Pulled over for speeding, driving with a suspended license, reckless driving, and one DUI. But I would also like to note that... It's because he's trying to mend his broken heart <laughs> no. he's reaching but for the bottle this is one thing i want to note for this thing in the crime blotter which is so interesting that i've lived in california now for 14 years i drive very fast i'm speeding almost all the time i don't drink and drive of course it's horrible depending on whatever the definition of reckless driving is whether it's driving like 20 miles over the speed limit i may or may not do that i don't know depending on what the speed limit is but i've been pulled over in california zero times in 14 years when I lived in Northern Virginia, I was eligible to drive for two years between 16 and 18. I was pulled over like five times and got two speeding tickets. <laughs> so it's just like Northern Virginia is just a speed trap. Every road is a speed trap. So, you know, Fred Davis, the DUI I don't support. But the other three times where he was pulled over, I'm sure it wasn't his fault. You know, it makes it actually makes me wonder, Dan is the fact that the Chargers have fewer crimes than any other team just simply based on the fact that their players don't get pulled over as much. It's, it's very possible because California is a free-for-all. We should compare it you know, to the 49ers and, and the Raiders. Well, I mean, the Raiders are going to be terrible, I bet. But um, Well, maybe. You know. yeah, I mean, they're in California too. There, it, yeah. there does need to be some adjustment for like the like latent ticket rate. Of the, the places, you know, when it comes to the traffic, we might be onto something breaking, breaking story. Because no, I don't even want to say it's, it says, according to this, it says reckless driving is 20 miles per hour of the speed limit. So the speed limit on Virginia highways is 55. Your sister, my wife, was charged with reckless driving when she lived in Virginia. Yeah. 
But that's like, yeah. it's going 20 miles per hour of the speed limit. The speed limit on the highways are 55 there. I mean, that's a joke. I drive over 75 miles an hour on the highway yeah. every yeah. single time I get on the highway. No, that's good. I mean, it, look, it seems like the Redskins are are relatively The Washington Football Club. Area. Okay, one other highway, one other highway is, of course, the great. So Fred Davis has four spots on the crime blotter and Albert Hainsworth had three. So these two were responsible for over 50% of the things on the crime <laughs> blotter in the past 10 years. So Albert Hainsworth, oh my God, what are you even going to do with this guy? We sign him to a record contract, which we'll get into later. Literally, the next month, he gets a reckless driving charge, and this is actually a legitimate one because it's not in Virginia, where he was going over 100 mile an hour in his Ferrari in Tennessee. His insane driving caused another driver to like get out of the way or something or, or like get into an accident where that driver became partially paralyzed. Mm. Hainsworth was had multi-million dollar lawsuit which I'm sure he lost okay so fast forward two years Albert Hainsworth is accused of punching a motorist in Virginia in a traffic altercation so I think the Hainsworth was like tailgating him or something and the guy gave him the finger and then Hainsworth stopped his car like pulled out and just punched the guy in the face that was eventually settled then Two months later, he was charged with misdemeanor sexual abuse for fondling the breast of a worker at a Washington restaurant. The story goes like this. She said that Albert Hainsworth tried to pay his bill by giving her his credit card. He asked if it was okay to stick the card in her blouse near her breast area. She nodded her head yes, and according to the report, he then placed the card into her blouse gently, sliding the card further into the blouse, and then he started to caress her breast, which... She was not cool with. So he got that too. Good work, Albert Hainsworth. Smooth operator as always. The the thing also noted that he was sober or apparently was sober when he did this. So that's probably a common move for Big Al. But that's what we're that's what we're going for here. Though Albert Hainsworth is an idiot and Fred Davis it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost more. I mean, sticking your credit card down random women's shirts. I mean, it seems just sort of like an odd odd move but he asked the thing is he asked if he could stick the credit card she said yes but she didn't say yes that he could caress her breast so over the line i'm more commenting on that first part seems odd to me like you know credit cards like a very like utilitarian thing i got to put it back in your wallet you got to like you know pay for your next transaction i don't know seems like a strange place for it but okay joe you would not be a good nfl football player (laughs) you do not know how to you've been married for too long you don't understand how the game works yeah, the Washington Football Club seems like not the worst team, not the most trouble. And now I, I should note they did sign Albert Hainsworth and were like supporting him through all this stuff. So like the team, it's I mean, look, this is like the worst team in the world. I don't know what to tell you. It's just a, like nothing. I, I guarantee you, if one of the players murdered somebody else, Dan Snyder would back him as far as he possibly could. It's just that yeah, they I mean, haven't could, had they the, just like haven't been unlucky enough to have that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think if we prospectively look for like how they would handle something, it's probably not great. But um, you know, at the same time, it can't be an accident to be that low on the uh, crime blotter either. I mean, like you compare them to like the Browns when we talked about them, who are also a terrible team and then like terrible for the community too. It's just totally middle of the road. Five out of ten. I think it's fair. Okay. 
Can't root for a team that Rob roots for. Now, this will be very interesting. What does Rob think of my beloved, but the team I also hate, the Washington Football Club? He's got to hate them, right? I mean, he's going to hate the name. What? They're hateable. What? What is to like about the Washington Football Club? Okay. So Rob rates the Washington Football Club as his 10th favorite team. Wow. That, so I am top shocked. third. Top third. I'm shocked. But a little bit middle Maybe of the Maybe that's road. because the Green Bay Packers beat us in the playoffs once. Maybe. When I asked about it, he said, the Potomac Drainage Basins Indigenous Persons, that's apparently how he refers to the club. Very creative. Are despicably named. Their owner seems like a complete tool. And these are both things even their own fans are universally in agreement about. Still, though, they're in a division with both the Giants and the Cowboys, whom I hate. So I end up rooting for them a fair amount. Hmm, that's interesting. So he hates them and has a moral objection to their name, but does not hate them as much as the Giants. The, or the enemy Cowboys. of mine enemy is my friend. Yeah. So Rob kind of likes his team, which means that I have to kind of not like this team. So I'm going to say three and a half out of ten. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. Just, just get it over with. Just the low scores. Oh, the problem is this is going to help. Is a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game, which it's in Landover, Maryland. It ain't in D.C. But Washington, D.C. itself, the wonderful city I was born in, a city that, of course, you've been to many times to visit your wife's, you know, where, where she's from and, and your parents-in-law. I mean, what what's could, could be said? Washington, D.C. is an absolutely amazing place to visit. I wonder if you've been to everywhere in the top 10, because I have. Lincoln Memorial. As you know, my oldest daughter loves the Lincoln Memorial. It's her favorite yeah. thing. She calls it Big Lincoln. Literally, there's not. last time we went to D.C., we had to visit it twice on our trip because she like insisted on going back. Yeah, it's good. Hey, look, I've learned so much about Lincoln and the Civil War thing. Lincoln's a good guy. It's, Big Lincoln. It's, it's it's not fake news. He was actually a legitimately amazing president. Okay. Okay. So, yes, I've been there. Number two, National Gallery of Art. Yes. National Air and Space Museum. Yep. That's a great place. Holocaust Memorial. I think or I wrote that. It's Holocaust I've Museum. never been. No, I've not been to the D.C. No, I haven't. Wow. Wow. So, my mom used to be a volunteer there for a while. It's. I believe the term is docent. Well, I'm, I don't know if she got up to that level. <laughs> she she didn't get that rank. Well, I think at some point she got fired from her volunteer job. So, but uh, yeah, it's a very sad place. But you know, it's important to remember, Joe. Number five. Speaking of which, we got a, a slew of memorials: the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, yeah, the Korean War Veterans Memorial, uh, yeah. So I'm going to skip number eight because or number seven just to get to the World War II Memorial, yeah. The FDR Memorial, mm-hmm. which, you know, go for the memorials. That They're nice. It's very touching. It's good that, you know, people who have sacrificed yeah. very much for this country get remembered. And the FDR died of, like, old age. So it's not necessarily a sad memorial. I mean. Yeah. FDR Memorial is good. It remembers. Yeah. He's a very highly rated president as far as presidents go. Number seven, which I skipped, is the museum. Not museum. Museum which I'm, you probably have not been to. I don't think so. So I've been to that multiple times as a field trip, and it's, it's about how the news is made. And it's, uh, 
it's an interesting place. I saw a live taping. This was like well before. Oh, you know what? I think I did this when I was a kid, and you, and you get to like the one place where you can like stand in front of like a green screen, yep, like the yep, weather. Yep. Yeah, I, I did that. I and, did that. I remember. But it. Yeah. I, w- what I remember of my vivid memory of the museum is that they were. I don't know if it wasn't like the McLaughlin group, but it was like a similar show to that. <laughs> but this was like before cable news was like such a big deal as it is today. And I watched, we were like sitting in the audience, a bunch of kids on a field trip at a taping of one of these shows. And I was just sitting there like, oh my God, all these like smart people are talking about politics. This is amazing. This is like so thoughtful. And now you just watch it on TV. And <laughs> it's just, fucking idiots. They, I just, everybody who appears on any of those shows Whatever. We don't need to get into it. Do you think that they've added a new wing to explain how the fake news is made? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it could be it could be a big thing. Could be a big drop because right yeah. now they're probably getting the audience that loves the real news. But if they're like could double their attendance. Yeah, the, yeah, the fake news wing of yeah. the museum. Well, yeah, I'm definitely going to take my kids back there. I, I forgot that place existed. The museum's good. And then number 10, the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And the one thing I would also like to note that I always remembered as a kid, as somebody growing up in this area, is I would always watch TV shows and they would always be like, you know, especially the shows where like kids were like contestants, like the essay contest or whatever. And they'd be like, and if you win this contest, you will get an all expenses paid trip for you and your like parents to Washington, D.C. to view it. And I was always like, Oh, that oh, sucks. Like, yeah, so, like, 15 I, miles away from I, my house. I know. I don't want to go to Washington. Like, can I go somewhere interesting like California or something? But all yeah. of the all-expenses-paid trips are to go to D.C. No, I felt the same way when you'd see it in the all-expenses-paid trip was to go to Disneyland. and be like, well, yeah. that's like, yeah. you know, like an hour away from me. They're so spoiled. <laughs> uh, no, look, D.C.'s great. I don't think I'd really want to live there, but... Um, Certainly, it's a it's a fun place have, to visit. I have I have many friends who live there, and I'll tell you, they like it a lot. DC is a very very good place to live. It's got great public transportation. I think I know a lot of people who live there, particularly for work, and who don't who don't like it, but because it's like forced upon them, right? Like if you work for the federal government or in politics, it's sort of like a company town a little bit. Yeah. But I do also know people who are from there who are natives who absolutely love it. Yeah. But, but, but anyway, it's a place I like visiting. And also even more importantly, it's a place that I will inevitably visit many, many times yeah. in my life going forward. So definitely it's high on the list. Eight out of 10. Wow. Eight out of 10, Joe. I think that's a fair score. It's a great score. It's a lovely place. The, uh, my, my place of my birth. Moving right along, number seven, does the team have player or players you could put on your fantasy roster? So this is interesting because, you know, we're not looking back. We have to look forward. So last year, both Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson each went over a thousand yards. They were both very playable in fantasy. Neither of them are on the team anymore. But look who is still on the team, Kirk Cousins. So he was last year the fifth best quarterback in fantasy, nearly 5,000 yards passing. And I had him last year. He was great value too. Great. I mean, he's a quarterback you absolutely picked up late in the draft. And, you know, you're getting the fifth best quarterback and I'm sure bargain basement prices. Yep. 4,900 yards, 25 passing TDs, four rushing TDs, very consistent week to week. So for a player that was on the team last year and is on the team next year, Jordan Reed, 
He was the ninth mm-hmm. best tight end, but he missed four games due to injury. Now, he didn't miss them all in one block. He just missed one game here, one game there, one game. In the 12 games he played, he still was the ninth best. Six TDs, 700 yards. We've talked about earlier, last year wasn't a great year for tight ends. And you've always been a huge Jordan Reed fan. Well, if you account for the four games missed and sort of assume he was healthy, he would be either the first or second best tight end. I mean, he's in every game he plays, he was frankly one of the best options on offense. And I mean, he had many, many dominant games. So Jordan Reed's always there. It's it's like Gronk. It's if he stays healthy, you know. Last year was actually the fact that he played 12 games like a good year for him. So <laughs> then a, a player that is going to be our new like number one wide receiver who I convince you to get an extra half points on the Cleveland Browns episode is now a member of the Washington Football Club. Terrell Pryor Sr., who last year with a bunch of garbage quarterbacks throwing to him in Cleveland had a thousand yards and four touchdowns now moves to this potent Washington offense with Jay Gruden and Kirk Cousins at the helm. So he could be a real, real value pick next year to become a dominant, you know, to put up some huge numbers. And then Jamison Crowder, has he's a little speedster. He's five foot eight. Mm-hmm. He's shifty. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable guy in the slot. Last year, 850 yards and seven TDs and really was coming on towards the end of the year. I mean, he's your like prototypical guy you want in the slot he's small he's fast he gets into little spots and once he gets the ball he's dynamic he's also our pun returner so i i think i feel like the i feel like the overall like takeaway that i have on the fantasy type of player that the washington football club has is not like the splashy big name there's no one that i'm like super excited about but I do find that I end up owning a lot of players on these teams because they just have a lot of like crafty, valuable wide receivers. And, and maybe it is just the Jay Gruden offense factor of like, this is just going to be a potent offense that's going to score a lot of points, get a lot of yards. Just look at last year. They had Deshaun Jackson, a thousand yards. They had Pierre Garcon, a thousand yards and Crowder, 850 yards. I mean, right, if you had right. any of these guys on your team, look, maybe they're not the stud that's leading your team. They're going to be worthy of one of your three right. wide receiver right. slots every week. Right. No, this is pretty good. I mean, odds are I would own at least one player next year. Um, I really, I enjoyed owning Kirk Cousins this past year. Uh, I could definitely see that again. So this is like uh, six and a half out of 10. Okay, I think that's fair. I'm a little worried that we're getting sort of in the danger zone where you might be actually considering rooting for this team. But the good news is we're getting to number eight. Is this owner a monster? This might be the first negative score in the in the history of the podcast. This really, this when I asked about negative scores, this was sort of what I was thinking about. This has been taking up, weighing on my mind a little yeah. bit. Okay, so first... Just to get the basics out of the way, FedEx Field is actually mostly privately financed, 72%. Can we just start by saying that the score is going to be zero, and now let's just work backwards about how we're going. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't even matter. So he, at least he didn't screw the public, but I think the DC public wasn't going to do that. Dan Snyder has a net worth of $2.2 billion, and yet the team value is $2.95 billion. So, I mean, I guess he's not the full owner or whatever. 
Dan Snyder is the archetype, the the platonic ideal of the meddling owner. Medals in coaches, <laughs> medals in players. He wants to make splashy free agent moves, even though that has not been a smart thing to do in the NFL since forever, since a salary cap was instituted. He signed Adam Archuleta, six-year, $30 million deal, which at the time was the most expensive contract for a safety ever, who started seven games before being traded. It was terrible. He signed D'Angelo Hall to a six-year, $54 million deal, who though he's actually played out the entire contract, is at best an average cornerback. It's insane. And of course, the crown jewel is when he signed Albert Hainsworth to a seven-year, $100 million deal who only played 20 games and in so made like no effort. He came to training camp, didn't even pass the fitness test, the basic fitness <laughs> oh, test in a training camp. I mean, it's insane what he does. Albert Hainsworth, the same guy who would stomp somebody in a game in, in Tennessee before he was signed. He's hired and fired so many coaches. It doesn't even, we don't even need to get, I mean, Steve fucking Spurrier. It's just oh, that was a get, dark time. Yeah. It's all been dark times. It's, it's dark time one after the other. <laughs> okay. At Mike Howes in his email talked about Dan Snyder suing fans. Well. Yeah. What's that about? From a Washington Post article. It would be hard to find a more loyal fan of the Washington Football Club than real estate agent Pat Hill. She had been she had had season tickets since the 1960s. Now Hill says her beloved Washington Football Club are forcing her into bankruptcy. Last year, Hill's real estate sales were hit hard by the housing market crash. This uh was written in 2008 by the way. So this is in 2008. Hill's real estate sales were hit hard by the housing market crash and she told the team that she could no longer afford her $5,300 a year contract for two seats behind the end zone. She asked okay. the Washington Football Club to waive her contract for a year or two. A very... Totally fair. A, a, a fair thing to ask for somebody who's, who's had these for 40 years. The sales office declined. And in fact, the Washington Football Club sued Hill in Prince George's County Circuit Court for backing out of the 10-year ticket renewal agreement after the first year. The team sought payment for every season for the full 10 years, plus interest, attorney's fees, and court (laughs) costs. Hill couldn't afford a lawyer. She didn't defend herself because she couldn't afford it. And the Washington Football Club won a default judgment against her for $66,000. She eventually had to declare bankruptcy to deal with this. And the article said that she is one of the 125 season ticket holders who were asked to be released from these contracts and were sued by the Washington Football Club in a five-year period, even though the Washington Football Club had a waiting list of tens of thousands of people for these seats. So they could have easily, easily let these people go and said, you know what? Slap on the wrist. You shouldn't have signed this contract if you couldn't afford it. But thankfully, we have another 100,000 people who won your seat. No harm, no foul. The, get, the other person will pay us the money. No. Or get- you – yeah, I mean you think that they would have some kind of like – they would make more money if they were just like, oh, it's a you know, $1,000 fee to let you out of your contract or something, right? Like it's insane. Following this greedy fit of rage, Dan Snyder banned all signs at FedEx Field midway through, through, through the 2009 season. Because most of the signs that fans were bringing were saying 
Dan Snyder was an unfit owner and they should get rid of him. In 2010, Dan Snyder made his reputation public when he went after the Washington City paper columnist Dave McKenna, who when he published the quote, the Cranky Redskins Fans Guide to Dan Snyder article. So he sued the paper and asked for the termination of this columnist because he wrote this paper. Now, what did this article say, you ask? Well, it made about 15 points talking about how Dan Snyder is a horrible owner, and I've, I've picked three of them. One, after taking over the Washington Football Club in 1999, Dan Snyder began charging admission for training camp workouts. The once free and open practices to build up fan support for the team now cost $10 to get in, plus $10 for parking. And I can attest, when I went to New York Jets training camp, we just walked in. It was free. They, if, if you made the trek to Ithaca, they just wanted you to be part of the team. Number two, after the September 11th attacks, the Washington Football Club added a $4 security charge to every ticket price in addition to selling commemorative 9-11 hats for $24. Gross. In 2006, vendors at FedEx Field sold bags of peanuts originally made and packaged for Independence Airline, an airline that had been out of business for over a year. (laughs) And so that's it for that. And then finally, for a little bit of Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder... He bought a 12% investment in Six Flags, gave him a, a bit of voting control of the company. He got to put in his friend in the CEO. Four years later, the company went bankrupt. Dan Snyder lost the entire investment. CEO was fired, dot, 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 ran the company in the ground. The point is, he's not a great business person. He's a terrible owner. It, every Washington fan... If you were talking about that thing where you could pick the the people out of a hat, it wouldn't just be you could literally put every person in America in the hat. I don't even care. <laughs> I would rather Donald Trump be the owner. Not not only would I rather Donald Trump be the owner, I would right now like he could still be president. I mean, I'm not even talking about that. Donald Trump would be 10 times better of an owner than Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is the worst owner in professional sports bar none dan are we gonna get sued i I don't care bring it on dan snyder bring it on by the way you might be a little worried because i was reading articles that said dan snyder was very interested in acquiring a premier league team and guess which premier league team he was interested in potentially acquiring oh tottenham's not for sale yeah well apparently Apparently not. The problem is Tottenham in the past three or four years has gotten too expensive for him. But about three years ago, I read an article that said he was he'll, very he'll, he'll interested. Buy, he'll buy West Ham. Yeah. He said he was very interested in Tottenham, but he said the price was too high. And now, of course, the price has gone up way too much. All right. I'm going to pencil this in for a zero unless you want to get your first negative score, which I will not protest. No, I mean, uh, look, we said from the beginning, no negative scores. We're not going to do that. But... When we talked about Paul Allen, we talked about how Paul Allen is like so much richer than every other NFL owner. You could like combine other NFL owners and they wouldn't. You could combine the next two and three and he still has more money than them. 
that is how bad Dan Snyder is. That you could provide, you could combine the terribleness of like the next two or three owners, and they wouldn't match his awfulness. Because I know, I mean, I've heard a lot of the. I mean, we didn't even get into the team name. Oh, 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 Joe, number nine is no, rate I know. We'll the talk about it. Logo. No, 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 yeah. I know, I know. But Dan Snyder is yeah, yeah, he's a part of that. that. You're right. You're right. Right. You're right. Like. That's how bad I just, he is. I just there, want the zero just, to carry over. To, to there's the, more we could talk about. Oh, there's more we will talk about. It's definitely a zero, and uh, we'll talk about more later. Well, we'll talk about it now. Number nine, rate the uniform and the logo. So, <laughs> quote, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> quote, we will never change the name of the team, Snyder told the newspaper in an interview this week, as a lifelong, now I'm saying the name. I Folks, for this section, I'm saying the name. It's as I'm, I'm doing it because this is what the source media demands. As a lifelong Redskins fan, and I think the Redskins using, fan... You should maybe be using your Confederate accent for this, but okay. <laughs> as ahead. a lifelong Redskins fan, and I think that the Redskins fan understand the great tradition and what it's all about and what it means, we feel, we feel pretty fortunate just to be working on next season. We'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use all caps for that. You know, reporters hate it when you tell them how to punctuate their stories. I know. But, they okay. hate that. <laughs> yeah. Never put three dashes, capitalize. <laughs> so he, quote, he he cites these polls. And these polls, I, I looked at this because this is, is it's actually interesting. So the Dan Snyder de- wing of the PR department, and, and it's not an uncommon point, which is the pro for the name is that George Preston Marshall, so this is the history of the name, after he acquired the NFL franchise in Boston, this is a team that has been around. This is one of the like original NFL teams from f- forever, the 1920s, whatever, 1930s, I don't even know, when they started playing football. George Preston Marshall changed the team name from the Braves, the Boston Braves, to the Redskins. According to most accounts, the nickname was meant to honor head coach and Native American William Henry Dietz, though some question whether Dietz was a Native American. The Redskins kept their controversial nickname when they relocated to Washington, D.C. in 1937. Okay, so they picked the name, and this is the like official story that it's meant to honor this coach who was an American Indian, and it's like a, a term of respect. So look at the polling, because this is what a lot of people point to. And mm-hmm. they have polled American Indian populations. And in a recent poll that the Washington Post wrote, 9% of American Indians said the name is offensive. 90% said they don't give a shit. They're, they're not bothered by it. Then a separate poll asked whether it, the name was disrespectful or not disrespectful, which is a bit more than offensive, though, <laughs> or maybe a bit less than offensive. Right, right. 23% of the general public said it's disrespectful. 20% of American Indians said it's disrespectful. And in both of these cases, the like op-ed was like, oh, 80% of people and 80% of American Indians say it's not disrespectful, so it's fine. You know, whatever. Or, or even in the case of American Indians that 9% say it's offensive. Oh, 90% say it's not offensive. Oh, who cares? That, that's a great name of the team. Well, what percentage do you think <laughs> Patriots are offensive? What percentage do you think Falcons are offensive? Like, if 
the team name was like the N word. And there were a bunch of like, whatever. Every Donald Trump supporter would be like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. What percentage? It's it's historic. Does it need to be 100% say? The fact that like 10% of people find name offensive, it's the name of a fucking sports team. How hard is it to come up with an inoffensive name? It's not hard because every other single team has managed to do it. Yeah, I mean, if we use the same analogy we've been talking about, if you could give up the name and you could literally just put every word in the English language into a lottery (laughs) machine, pull it out, and odds are it would offend fewer people. But no, of course it would. What? I mean, just think. Chargers, Dolphins, Falcons, Cowboys, like... None of these are possibly offensive to no. anybody. Correct. Wow. Yes. How this is so stupid. It's so insane that there are a large percentage of people who are fans of the team who are offended to say the name. When I was in Philadelphia for the draft and I'm wearing my Washington jersey, people are coming up to me when we're in our good natured banner. They're like, your team name is like racist. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. why? It's so stupid that Washington fans have to sit here. And look, I don't care if 70% of the fans think it's fine or 80% or 90%. 100% of fans of a team should be able to say the team name and not be offensive. Like, this isn't being overly politically correct. I don't care. I'll say whatever. This is, it's, 31 out of 32 NFL teams have found a way to come up with a team name that's inoffensive to 100% of people. The Washington Football Club should find a way to do that. It's not fucking rocket science. And we're not even delving into the actual logo itself, which is like a fairly stereotypical representation of a Native American. I mean, it's not as bad as the Chief Wahoo, it's, but it's like yeah, the well, deep Chief Wahoo's red- much worse. I mean, yeah. so so I don't want to say that there isn't pride and there can't be pride in American Indian, Indian culture, which, frankly, have a very, very long history in the country. And especially when you when you think about warriors, it that history does exist. And I don't want to take away anything from that. But considering that early American settlers essentially essentially massacred the American Indians and the fraught political history. I mean, this we're, we're now like in Civil War. Well, I, I guess it's even before the Civil War area. Donald Trump's favorite president, Andrew Jackson, and the Trail of Tears. I mean, there is a very fraught history with the relations between American Indians and, you know, the population that just came in and just stole their land. A football team should not be delving into it. It's just stupid it's yep. there's yeah. no reason to do yeah. it. Change the fucking name. They had the name. Okay, maybe in the 1930s it was one thing. Just change the fucking name. Change it to Red Hawks. Change it to what there are 500 different. I mean, they changed the names from the Washington Bullets to the Washington Wizards because there was a ton of gun violence in DC. And they were like, Bullets is offensive because bullets do kill people. I like the name Bullets. I think the name Bullets is fine. I hate the name Wizards. The name Wizards is stupid. But you know what? I'm like, fine. If they yeah, want to do whatever. that, like yeah. they changed the name to Wizards and then they kept the 
colors and the culture and the jersey of the bullets. Like, that's what they've been doing in recent years. Right. That's the best of all worlds. Change the name to Red Hawks. Keep the colors the same. Keep everything the same. Fuck Dan Snyder. Fuck him for having to root for a team where I can't say the name. And I'm not being, it's not that I want to, I'm being overly politically correct. It's just, I don't mind saying the name. It's just offensive that I have to say a name that possibly offends somebody for no reason. There's a practicality to it that like, even if I didn't give a shit, which I do think the name's offensive, but like, even if I didn't care, especially in a pretty progressive place like Seattle, as I imagine it is in San Francisco, if I walked around wearing a Redskins jersey, I would I would feel a sense of shame. Yeah, you I look, I wear it and I'm like I don't approve of the name. No, exactly. You want to wear a sign that says like I am wearing this despite my objection about the name and logo. Yeah. I mean, look, to your point, when I as I said before, when I was at the draft, this is the number one people think people say is, "Oh, you're a Washington fan. Your name is racist like that's that's, yeah that's the number one i totally agree yeah what do you say to that it's like yeah yeah, dan snyder's a fucking asshole this is another zero out of ten yeah sorry no not sorry it's a fair score it's ridiculous all right number 10 they play a style of play you would enjoy watching so i mean if you (laughs) very exciting very very good offense so they're second in yards per play so I'll just paint the picture of what it's like to be a Washington football fan. So they're second in yards per play, 6.4, only to the like record-setting Falcons. Yet, they were only 11th in points per game. Well, how could there be such a disparity, you say? Well, they were third to last in red zone scoring last year at only 45%. Third oh, to that's, last. That's, that's frustrating to watch. Because that is what, you know, so that it's like, why is Kirk Cousins franchised over and over again? Well, the knock on Kirk Cousins is that between the 20s, he's great. When, you know, there's space, when you've got Deshaun Jackson stretching the field, but when the field compresses into the red zone, Kirk Cousins just can't fit it into those tight gaps necessary to score in the red zone. And yeah, that's what it was like every game. They can move the ball in the 20s. They can't score. So they're 11th in points per game, even though they had this great offense between the 20s, they... 18th in scoring defense, which is actually pretty good because their defense was they they were sort of a bend not break defense, which is somewhat surprising considering how bad it was and how little, you know, money is invested in the defense, but it's a very frustrating team to watch. It's exciting in the sense that no deficit, they like they never felt out of games because they would get a lot of like, you know, 80-yard touchdown patch to Deshaun Jackson like that was always in the cards and you know you always you always felt like they could stay in the game but at the same point you you felt like they could never put a team away because their defense was terrible their defense was a sieve and you know just look at the last game of the season the game they had to win to make it to the playoffs the Giants just completely shut them down the offense was absolutely inept and couldn't do anything so I think it was is a a team where it was, a, it was a good vanity team. Like they put up some stats, they put up some numbers, but when it actually mattered in the red zone, in the important games, you know, they couldn't get it done. And they, you know, they finished eight, seven and one. And I think that's pretty fair for how they did in the season. Yeah. I mean, I think the, 
you know I love a high-powered offense, but the red zone thing is super problematic and really frustrating as a fan. And in fact, I think the Chargers had, I don't know what the exact stats are, but they felt like a team that really struggled in the red zone too. And it's like the worst thing as a fan. Let's say the flip side of it is when you're a fan and your team is good in the red zone, you just know like, oh, we're down in the 10-yard line. Like, this is like money. This yeah. is going to happen. We're going right? to get it in. It's just a great feeling because you just have that confidence. And like, you feel that way when you watch the Patriots. You're like, well, yeah. yeah. They're, they're I, I, I get looked it, at the Patriots. Know? They're top five. You know, they, yeah. they get it in. Yeah. And when it's the opposite, it's and, – and Chargers have sort of been both over the last, you know, five years. You've, you've seen like the years where we're just always able to get that like – that Antonio Gates pass that's like just gonna work every single time versus now where we struggle a little bit more um, in the red zone. But so so that in itself is a frustrating type of game to watch. Um, the sort of great offense, bad defense is something that I've definitely been used to over the years. That doesn't bother me as much, but the red zone stuff certainly does. But it's not a bad side of the play. But I would don't like- I don't want to diminish their offense. Very, very exciting. I mean, right, right, right. And, and the high powered offenses, I think that, that is an exciting style of play. And I've, I've watched enough games from the Washington Football Club that like, I think I like, maybe not in a strategic sense, but just in an entertainment sense. I like Jay Gruden as a coach. Like, I think he's just an entertaining coach. He calls entertaining games. You're right. You always have like that deep threat. They're willing to air it out. I just think it's, it's fun, but if not, maybe like a little bit or or a lot frustrating at times. So I would say seven out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. Okay. Six and a half. Six and a half. I was just gonna say they almost played exclusively close games to your point about interesting games. I think they they never blew out a team last year, and I think they were only blown out. I think the only game they were blown out was the first game of the season against the Steelers. So when you were tuning into a Washington football club game, you were going to get a, a, you know, a game within 10 points. You were going to get an exciting game. Number 11, what is interesting about this fan base? So the Washington football club is the fifth most valuable franchise, according to Forbes magazine in the NFL, because it's just got a large devoted fan base. The Washington football club has been around since the beginning of the NFL. I mean, it's been around from before, as we mentioned before, that this team moved to Washington in the 1930s. I mean, it's got so many things. It's got the Washington Football Club marching band. I believe they're the only NFL team that has a marching band. They've got Mm. the Hoggettes. I mean, they've got, there's, they've got the line of, you know, the, 100,000 people or whatever who want the tickets, even though Dan Snyder's suing the other people. You guys have a fight song. We've got a fight song. When we and uh, my Washington, D.C. brethren went to Oktoberfest, we were sitting at the table and the Italians had their like drinking song and the Germans had their drinking song. And they were like, whoa, Americans, what's your drinking song? And we were like, shit, what do we do? And we're just like, hail to the Washington Football Club, hail you know, whatever. We did that. And we taught them all the song. And it was great. Like, we've got the song. We've got the marching band. We've got all this stuff. You know, you, you've you lived in a city, San Diego, that I'm not sure what the percentage of each t- 
team is, but when I grew up in Washington, D.C., we didn't have a baseball team. And we certainly yeah. didn't have a good baseball team as they have now. Hockey is always... I'm not the biggest hockey fan, though I will watch the Capitals lose every year to the Penguins and break my heart just the same. I love basketball, but the Washington basketball team had been terrible for a very long time. It still is. Washington, D.C. is a football town. They love, and and hopefully now it's changing to the Nationals because they're the only well-run team in the fucking place, but it's a football town. Everybody loves football. Everybody loves the Washington Football Club. That's what you see around town. That's what people care about. That's what people talk about. And, you know, I it, it it's a huge place. It's a, it's a rich tradition. It's a winning tradition. At least it was until it became a losing tradition. And, you know, certainly like my dad, he loves the Washington Football Club. He has fond memories of their Super Bowl victories. He has... It's not only that they won the Super Bowls, but they won them in style, you know? The thing that is somewhat interesting to me about the Washington Football Club's fan base is, you know, you made the comparison to San Diego. San Diego, similar to Washington, D.C., is a city that is made up largely of transplants. And it was one of the things that always made it difficult for Chargers to sell out, to sell out season tickets, um, is that, you know, there's so many people in San Diego who are still Steeler fans or still Philly fans or, or Detroit fans or whatever. The degree to which DC residents and the whole area, like your dad is a great example. Your dad is a transplant of the area, yet he like has fully embraced the Washington football club. Yeah. Like what you're saying, I understand what you're saying in terms of San Diego, but that is not the case with the Washington. Like if you go to a Washington football game there are it is there are there's no like opposing fans there yeah no, is, i'm drawing a you know i'm drawing a contrast it's it's interesting to me that that for whatever reason the culture in dc is for transplants to adopt the team not to like keep their old loyalties with them and i think that's fantastic i think that's but, great. but i disagree with that i think that there are a lot i think dc itself is this very this place that has a lot of turnover but the Northern Virginia area, the Southern Maryland area. That's a good point. Is, is yeah. not like that. You know, like my grandfather lived in Potomac, Maryland. Like his parents were from there. It's like they lived in Potomac, Maryland for a long time. And he was a big Washington football fan. I mean, like Southern Maryland are, or frankly, all of Mar- Oh, I guess but since Baltimore got a team that sort of split uh, right. A, right. a little bit. But, but I think... A lot of people in these areas that aren't, it's not just like people are coming in and out of D.C. It's people who have been in the area a long time and have been supporting this team for, I mean, when we looked at that before, that poor woman who was sued, you know, she'd been a season ticket holder for the 1960s. And I think the fact that the teams had such longevity and frankly, you know, the the thing that happened with San Diego that I think is so sad is that. Almost 15 years of fandom were somewhat robbed from you because Dean Spanos was like, I want to move the team. I want to, move, like, for the past 15 years, you know? Right, right. It's and been, yeah, it's been hanging over our heads. Going, Absolutely. Like, the, Washington, the Washington market is so valuable. Like, the team will never move from there. Right. And I think right. 
as a fan, even though it is sort of a transitional area, it's really interesting that you know you can become a fan of this team and horrible name as it is, the team's not going anywhere. And, you know, it's just sad. Like, frankly, the Los Angeles Chargers, like, can you be assured they're not going to move somewhere else? Like, why wouldn't Dean Spanos move the Los Angeles Chargers? Like, if it if it makes sense to move them to no. Oakland or something. Like, you who no, knows? You have, yeah, you have no assurances of it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a interesting fan base and definitely a rich history. Uh, and I think a very loyal fan base. Uh, uh, Too loyal. Tortured. Loyal and tortured. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's where it gets knocked down a little bit is like, you know, the, the thing we keep talking about, like, do I really want to sign up for that much more, like, angst and heartache? But uh, uh, No, no. Joe, do not support this team, but you should respect the Dan, fan base. I just call balls and strikes. I'm just scoring <laughs> okay. fairly. I'm not trying to, like, put my thumb on the scale either way. This is a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. All right. Break the drink. So the important note about this drink, you get up in the morning, you're a lobbyist in D.C. It's mm-hmm. fucking sweltering outside. There ain't no air conditioning because it's the 1870s. You need to cool down. This is what you want. You want ice. You want some alcohol of some sort because, you know, back in those days, you just drink all day at all times. And yeah, put in a little sparkling water, put in a little citrus of some point. I mean, worth noting that like ice was also a real pain in the ass to get back then too. This this drink is definitely, I can tell why... It would be a great summer drink. It, it basically tastes like lemonade. This is a solid six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. Joe. Where are we at? I feel like we were kind of all over the map with this. This is with these scores. This was a team of highs and lows. But the New England Patriots rounded out at 64.5. The Washington Football Club rounds out at 66. Point five, so oh. two points north. This we we beat the Patriots. Yes, what a day! Now, by comparison, we've got the Buccaneers at sixty-five. We're no, you know, we've got the Chargers and Broncos both at sixty-two. That are maybes, though. Both of those have some like emotional ties. But outside of those early podcasts, you're close. You the the lowest maybe outside of those podcasts is 69 from the Texans. So you don't have anything outside of those early podcasts. You don't have, you don't have any maybes other below 69. What's interesting about the Washington Football Club is let's say tomorrow Dan Snyder sold the team to someone I liked. That would be the greatest day of my life. Literally. No, I I kid you not. If like Paul Allen bought the team Let's say, let's say hypothetically that Taylor Swift bought the Washington Football Club and she renamed them just the Reds, Red, after her 2012 album. That would like jump the team 20 points in my rating. If Taylor Swift was the owner of the Washington Reds, what, whatever they want me to do, whatever their Patreon level was, I would put in at the top level. I would do anything. We may not even have to do a podcast. It would just be so, the, the answer to my I question of who I root for would be so, so apparent. That would be, they would be like, what's the greatest sporting moment of your life? And I'd be like, when Taylor, <laughs> when Taylor Swift, Swift bought, bought my team. The team. 
from Dan <laughs> fucking Snyder. I mean, you. I mean, wait, what? You know this. You feel the pain. When yeah, I've the had a- owner of the team is somebody you don't like, there's nothing worse in sports. There's nothing. You can't do anything. Absolutely. There's nothing. You can't even bring signs to the stadium to protest. He controls the stadium. I'm lamenting the fact that if but for the ownership, this team would would certainly be moving on to the next round. And as much as I would love to root for the same team as you, and I think we'd have a, a total blast doing that, the problem is because they're right on the cusp, I feel like that gives me the discretion to say like some of these scores should have been even lower if we could go into the negatives. So I think that's why it's just it's just the owner it, and the team name both got zero. Two of them which should is have been a negative. record. Absolutely, which is a record. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have to leave the Washington Football Club behind here. All right, that's believe me, we're used to it. <laughs> I I you'll get him next year though. Ugh. All right, Joe. And randomizing the teams. We've already done so many of the teams. We're almost halfway done. In fact, after the next doubleheader, we will be halfway done with this insane podcast series we've gotten ourselves into. I know. Into. We, should, we should get a, a cake or something. Oh, my God, Joe. Here we go. What do we have? Here we go. Team number one, the Arizona Cardinals. Team number two, the Green Bay Packers teams, which were involved wow. in one of the most exciting NFC playoff games uh, that's ever happened. Which, which also means, I think we can, I think we can promise this now. Green Bay, Rob, live on the next podcast. Why? It's a, you're going to make that happen, Joe? I'm going to make that happen. Oh my goodness! Wow. All right, so so he's not going to be included in the first part of the doubleheader. You're just going to bring him in for the second part. I don't know how we're going to manage that scheduling, Joe. Yeah, we'll figure we'll figure that out. But if if people have any questions for Rob, they can write in too. I I sincerely sincerely hope nobody is listening right now. But if you are, if you've got something to say about, don't say anything about the Washington Football Club. I don't want to hear it. If you have something negative to say about the Patriots, say it. Or if you've got something to say about the Arizona Cardinals or the Green Bay Packers, oh my goodness, how much we would love to hear it. Please, please send your emails to nfl at joepickspod.com. We are very interested. We will read it on the next doubleheader. And boy, Rob, who's had much shade thrown his way, might possibly have a chance to defend himself the much maligned rob stearns will be here to confront his accusers yeah <laughs> all right thanks dan see you joe